It's the Horrorphoria Podcast. Don't touch that dial. Andy Gilly and John Richards are your hosts of this weekly podcast to rate and review horror movies. Is it good? Is it bad? <laughs> Is it a classic? Find out now. <laughs> Welcome to the Horrorphoria podcast. It is Friday, May 22nd of 2020, episode number 63, broadcasting from our witchy studios in Wausau, Wisconsin. I'm John Richards. Spoiler alert, John, but uh, yeah, Andy Gilly here too. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Nobody knows. I mean, we'll get to I the spoiler true. alert. That's true. I'm going to spoil it anyway in the middle because of, I have some thoughts about that, but. Oh, I'm sure you do. Yeah, I'm sure thoughts, right? you do. Right. Um, big plans for Memorial Day weekend? Um, yeah, a little bigger plans than we've had uh, staying home for the last several weekends. We're probably going to go up north and because uh, we can now. I guess yeah. it's open up. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do that and uh, see how it goes. Yeah, I hope everybody's staying safe during the pandemic. And, and like for us in Wisconsin right now, um, things are starting to get lifted. Um, you know, I've noticed that people around here aren't charging bars or, or going to restaurants, right. you know, just like in droves. But there's a little more excitement. People are still, you know, being cautious. I, I cautiously optimistic, I guess. And uh, it's very, it, it's good to see. I mean, it's yeah. like that light at the end of the tunnel where you're like, oh, thank goodness, yeah. we're almost there. I, I know a lot. I did go to a bar and it was pretty awesome, actually. It was so. pretty awesome. Got, <laughs> yeah, got to have a beer at a bar. I, yeah, it was nice to have a beer at a bar. So <laughs> three months you couldn't. And you're like, I, I, I. I I'm glad it's back. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, uh, horror movie news. Horror movie news. Uh, two actors that appear in Game of Thrones as well as other acclaimed movies and TV shows are reuniting for an action horror movie called Good, Bad, and Undead. Deadline reports that Jason Momoa will play a vampire and Peter Dinklage will play Van Helsing in the action horror film. Interesting, uh, really? Bad and undead. Yeah, this is what it's called. Dinklage apparently adopts an alliance with Momoa's vampire who had vowed not to kill again. Ah. So... <laughs> I, I like the concept. Yeah, and I love Jason Momoa, man. He is uh, one good-looking man. All right. I'm a hetero man. I think he's hot. <laughs> he's a good-looking dude. Yeah, he, he really he's, is. He's funny dude, too. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. Uh, so that, that, that seems interesting. We'll uh, keep an eye out for that. Whatever you think of this coronavirus thing, and it's incomprehensible how political it has become, in my opinion, if yes. you have to agree that we, if we can find a way to go safely back to work, we should be doing it. Blumhouse is trying to find a way to film horror movies right now in these difficult times. You know, uh, Aaron the Head reports that Blumhouse is looking to create low-budget films with small crews and minimal set pieces. That are, uh, they are, they're planning on shooting a $6.5 million film on a universal lot and are looking to get approval for that right now. 6.5, that's really not a lot, but can that's I make kinda, it? That's about a $1.5 million more than a usual Blum, Blumhouse film, though, actually. Oh, is it really? Yeah, it actually is. It, usually it costs about five, right? Can I, can I suggest something to Jason Blum? Zoom. Somebody needs to do a Zoom horror movie. Zoom Although I think movie. I think they already did that with Unfriended. Yeah, Unfriended right? Dark Web was kind of like that, or Unfriended. Yeah, uh, that was a kind of a Zoom horror movie. Uh, it was good too. I liked it. Yeah, you did. Uh, there are a lot of things standing in the way. Uh, insurance for one, but uh, Blumhouse model seems like it might be a good way to get some new films created. I like he is innovative, so go Absolutely. good for him. Yeah, I think it's a great model. I, I really I've loved a lot of the films that he's put out that way. So mm-hmm. uh, David Arquette signed on to do Scream Five. He joins Nev Campbell as someone who returns from the original. 
Is she actually officially signed on? I think she's officially signed on, yeah. Okay, because last week you reported Matthew Litter, Lillard maybe. No, no, no. He was. He said that Matthew Lillard said that he would be up for it if they offered him anything. Oh. Nev Campbell, I believe, is 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 definitely signed on to this thing. Uh, and David Arquette is, as well. Matthew Lillard said, hey, uh, you know, if they called me, I'd do it. <laughs> you know, the one problem is that his character is dead. dead. Spoiler. But like we said last week, uh, you know, the, one of the ideas that were kicked around for Scream 3 was that he was actually in prison and had somehow survived. So he could be a zombie. Uh, That'd be a nice twist to the scream, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) PG, Psycho Gorman, which is a rated R film, (laughs) has got a distributor and will be among Shudder, coming to Shudder in 2021. Yay! PG was supposed to premiere at uh, South by Southwest. Obviously, that was canceled. Yeah, it was. Uh, RLJE Films will be distributing the picture, which will hopefully premiere in late 2020 before moving to Shutter. Yeah, see, I would love to see that movie. I would love to get that one at the end of the year if they do that. Yeah. yeah be- because it just it. looked like just a gory monster feature. You <laughs> it's, know? it's a pretty cool concept, too. The kids <laughs> that... Really kids is. that conjure up this guy. <laughs> so, I it, like it. I love the trailer. It was yeah. awesome. Sure. Uh, is that it? I think that's all for horror movie news this week. All right, director Andre Overdahl, uh, the movie we're reviewing today, The Autopsy of Jane Doe from 2016, was inspired by which 2013 horror movie to direct this movie? Uh, I think I read about this. It's The Conjuring. It is The Conjuring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I get no vibe from The Conjuring in this, though. I don't. I, no, I don't. I don't get that either. I didn't. Uh, I maybe it was just inspiration to do a horror movie. Okay. I, I don't know. Well, like I said, he did Troll Hunter, which I don't know. It's kind of more of an action, but uh, but, but I liked it. Um, <laughs> my trivia question: Owen Catherine Kelly plays a corpse in this movie, and I think does the best performance. Uh, Cox and Hirsch do a great job too, not taking anything away from them, but she really does a good job playing this corpse. Don't you think? I do. Yeah. Uh, she credits her mastery of this Eastern art to helping her portray Jane Doe. Sorry, man. I did research. It's yoga. It's yoga. <laughs> we both read all the trivia for this, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. We did. Helped her control her breathing and movements uh, during the time she was playing a corpse. Yeah, I guess Andre Overdahl really uh, had her in mind because he, he read for the or he, he screened for the part right. from a couple of different actresses. She was the first. Right. But I think just to, you know, for levity or whatever, just to you know, see if there's any other actresses, but he knew at the very beginning that this is who she or, or yeah. he, who he wanted for this yeah, part. She was so. the first one interviewed for this, and he knew that he wanted her right away. He just did some other ones as a formality. Yeah, because uh, she she was the best, and she's she's fantastic. I mean, you could tell this is not a mannequin. No, or, no, it's know, a like, it's a real person. It's a real movie. person who, and just the control. You, you, I mean, I don't see her. Like a lot of times you see people like playing a corpse, you can see their eyes moving underneath their oh, eyelids. You can see, their, you like, see them moving a yeah. little bit. I saw none of that. No, yes. no. And there were a lot of lingering shots on there. There were. I mean, she was like in the movie as much as the other two actors. For as sure. much as Cox and uh, em, uh, Emil Hirsch, right? That's his Emil name. Hirsch, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it was uh, it was a pretty fantastic. It was a great job, and I really think, like I said, not, not taken away from Brian Cox or, or Emil Hirsch, they did it. I think their acting was pre, pretty on pretty good too. Yeah, I, and the fact that that you had such limited characters in there, we'll, we'll get more into it. Andy's chainsaw synopsis. All right, my chainsaw synopsis: an unidentified corpse is brought to a family morgue. The secrets uncovered in the unknown woman's autopsy reveal shocking things about the woman's death and her life prior. Very good. 
We're uh, talking about the autopsy of Jane Doe from 2016. Andre Overdahl, his very first English movie that he uh, directed. Uh, we're going to talk about this movie in its entirety. So if you have not seen this movie, pause the podcast. Go watch it on Netflix, which I recommend going to see. Uh, come back to find out what we had to say about it. Initial thoughts of the autopsy of Jane Doe. Um, I thought that Owen Catherine Kelly was the best corpse I've ever seen. <laughs> she played a corpse better than anybody else I've ever seen. So yeah, <laughs> that was my initial. I mean, that's what really stood out to me in this movie, I guess, was her uh, her ability to play a corpse. Yeah, for <laughs> I mean, sure. Sound, watch the movie and you'll get what I mean. I mean, it, it's an amazing performance. It is. And, and it's real. This is not a, a human body that was made for this movie. This is a human being that's actually alive that's playing a corpse perfectly right i mean there's some prosthetics and stuff like that. well later in the movie there's sure sure i mean obviously there's some prosthetics and other things involved here but uh you know i was saying it you know sometimes you see the people's eyes moving so you don't see any of that in this no not at all yeah it's really really good my my initial thoughts see here i i watched it i want to say when i first moved to wisconsin back in 2017 when i got netflix because it's been on there a long time Mm -hmm. and it had been out a year prior to that um, I loved it just because it's got this really kind of like nice twist ending. Um, you know, I guess just putting that more critical eye to it. It's just I didn't get as much enjoyment out of it, but I still really enjoyed the movie. Um, you know, like you said, the the performances were great. Right. I guess if they're. Yeah, I was telling you before, it's a little boring in some spots. It's like watching an episode of uh, like Operation on TLC or something from the 90s. You know, it's there. there's a lot of it happens on the autopsy table, you know, and they're cutting. It's it's basically a, uh, a, a there's like it's like a, um, you know, full length showing of the autopsy of this this person. It's aptly titled. I, but I didn't find that boring. It's I, like I a real time autopsy that you're watching here. Absolutely, you know? but I think the the pacing and the way Andre Overdahl did this, the the pacing was great because it's just discovery. You know, it's kind of a build up of what they're finding yeah, exactly. on Jane that, Doe, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed because then it was like, well, well, this happened to her, and we'll get more into like specifically what they find. Mm-hmm. But this happened to her, and oh my goodness, how did this happen, or how is she like this? You know, um, if if you've passed away a while ago. So, you know, rigor mortis should set in or, or, you know, you should see more discoloration or because we found this on the stomach, you know, this should have happened, but we see no entry points. There was definitely really good attention paid to like forensic science in this movie. And, uh, you know, that was very realistic, I think. Uh, Is that what you found boring about it, though? No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe because I've watched all these crime shows and and you don't see like the real time autopsy discover all this stuff. You just find the findings. uh, you know, David uh, David Caruso finds out what happened in a report, you know, or something. I don't know. Um, it just, I guess, first of all, uh, at one time, uh, what I was going to be a mortician. So uh, I went and actually talked to different morticians and stuff, and uh, I just wasn't good enough at science to do <laughs> so, but, uh, but So stuff like this doesn't really disturb me. And I think a lot of the impact might have come from the fact that this is a morgue and people are uncomfortable with death. And, you know, I think a lot of the horror element comes from the fact that these people are cutting into dead bodies and stuff. And well, and, and, you know, being a horror movie fan, you know, you're, you're pretty desensitized yeah, and to that's, seeing blood and guts. But to me, I found it interesting. I actually enjoyed that part of it because mm-hmm. the discovery of what they were finding as 
as they progress through this autopsy. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I found it, you know, intriguing. Yeah, it's better than the autopsy in Faces of Death. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's been a long time since I've seen that, but I, I did. <laughs> so, um, the movie starts out, there's a just bloody crime scene here, graphic grisly shots of murder in this house. Yeah. That, uh, uh, there's a dirt floor basement, a dead woman is buried in it. And, yeah, uh, she's in real good shape for being half buried. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she is half buried. Um, very so, clean looking. You, definitely, um, just very, uh, yeah, uh, very. Um, she's definitely dead, mm-hmm. but looks like she's uh, been cleaned up or something before. Before or, or freshly you? passed away, as yeah, a, you know, maybe like it was like a medical condition or something right, like but that. But she's half buried, yeah. so. Uh, and, I, and I don't I didn't really get how this fit into the film. And uh, they do say several times that their job is just to determine how someone died, not solve the crime or look into the crime scene and stuff like that. But I didn't. Did I miss something where what what happened here? What what happened at this house that? Well, there was there was a discussion between the cops as they were okay. talking. And it's like, well, there was no forced entry. It looks like somebody was trying to escape. Right. I, I, I heard that part. But I'm too dumb to realize it's, what happened here. Whoa, whoa. It's a cycle okay. of what happened to um, our main characters, Tommy and Austin. Okay. So this individual or something something malevolent, malevolent happened in this house, similar to the malevolent, malevolency that happened at the morgue. Okay. So she buried underneath the house and like, uh, she, how did she get there? She, it's... I didn't get that explanation, but yeah. I, I she was the cause of it. I, I got that. I, I definitely understood that she was the cause of this mayhem in this house, which, you know, there was like gunshots. It looked like someone shot someone and there was well, blood everywhere. And, you know, it was a grisly crime scene. That No, it really was. But but think about what Austin and Tommy had to encounter. Oh, I get they that. Encountered, but, but they I understand that, but I didn't understand what was going on in this house. Like, how, like, how this, it was almost it was almost and it was kind of dumb to me. And that's why, you know, I, I the ending didn't land as hard. It's almost magic happened. OK. You know, it was like like no explanation. The explanation was is something magical or well, something supernatural happened. And they went out of their way to uh, Brian Cox and Emil Hirsch, who are uh, what Tommy and Austin, the yeah. father, son uh, morticians here. Right. Go out of their way to say that, hey, we're just here to, uh, to find out how this person died. We don't care about COD, anything. Cause yeah, so that. maybe maybe we aren't supposed to know that. And it's not important. But I just I, I was curious as to what in the heck happened in that house that this dead woman got in the basement the dirt floor basement and uh all these people ended up shooting each other or something well i'm thinking i'm thinking that the same thing happened at the morgue happened at the house where weird things started happening and then they realized that this this jane doe is the cause of all this so maybe they started burying her and then you know that's when all hell broke loose yeah and they they did say the cops did say look like they were trying to break out yeah exactly but which happens at the end of this movie too exactly that's Mm -hmm. that's my point is that you know the cops come it's almost like a mirror image of what happens at the very beginning the cops are they're investigating you know this 
uh, the sheriff, whatever his name was, you know, says, listen, get this body away from me. Send it to the other town at the end of this. So let's get more into it. So we go to Tommy in Austin's house. Like you said, it's the father and son morticians. Uh, they're they're actually examining a really cool looking burnt body. <laughs> right. You know, it actually was kind of a cool prop. It, it was. It was. I mean, because it was like face yeah, melted was, off and right. And Austin is the son. It is kind of like. Uh, uh, and he wants he's kind of in a hurry because he wants to see his girlfriend. So he's trying to kind of, uh, I think, rush this along and pronounce this as being smoke inhalation as the death. Right. Yeah. And then the dad shows his expertise here by, you know, talking about the, the head trauma, head trauma and all that. That this he guy's hit been, his head and, you know, could like was unconscious, got smoke inhalation, and burned his body. Right. But it's the smoke inhalation wasn't that. Serious for someone who who would have been alive during the you know they they go through a whole forensic and, and this this is I think sort of common where people get you know killed by something and then burned you know unless somebody tries to burn the evidence and that's obviously what's what's occurred here the um, the the cadaver that they made for this and this is uh, uh, this was not a actor this was just a uh, set piece I think. I hope. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. But it was it was good. No, like actually, he had like one eye. Yeah, and it looked it, great. Like it, the face was melted off. It was. It was, off. it was. That was a good effect. I I liked that one. It was it was grisly and uh, and disturbing. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I also want to bring up the the beginning. It, it, and I guess everything's going to be comparison to the opening of the Invisible Man from earlier this year. Is the way the dirt was like being blown across yeah. where where you saw the the title. Yeah, that was a cool effect. I really like that. Plus. Yeah. I like the, the beginning cin- cinematography. It almost did a uh, Ari Aster thing where it flipped upside down mm-hmm. and then right back up. And then, um, you know, just the, the music, the, the musical choices, like the piano, the eerie piano score. I, I, no, you're totally right. The opening of this movie was very well done. And it, it did have some art, art to it, like like uh, Invisible Man. Um, and I, I noticed that as well. That, yeah. uh, it, and it kind of tells the story of the... The, you get the idea this is the family more because they showed like some of the history and like the other it, this is three generations in I believe like uh, Austin would be the third generation of the uh, of yeah the exactly that, they that showed old this. style pictures and stuff right. like that also I noticed I, I love the attention to detail of the scratches on the wood paneling Mm-hmm. Of of you know people wheeling around the the carts or whatever they call those things of of being you know bumped into the wall or scratched against the walls or going back to the autopsy room. So I love the attention to detail on that. Um, we get introduced to Emma, who is the girlfriend. Right. Um, they're getting ready to go. She actually wants to go see a dead body. She wants to see <laughs> you know you get to come see me at work. I want to see you at work. I mean, it's like you work at a bookstore. <laughs> um, yeah, and so. The um, Tommy says that she can see one. Seems a little unethical. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's fine. <laughs> not seems very unethical. It seems pretty unethical. I don't know. I, I, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I, I would not expect to be allowed to see a body if I was down in a morgue. Yeah, exactly right. And, and um, <laughs> just for kicks, you know, Dad Tommy's playing along. They open mm-hmm. it up. It's like a gunshot wound victim right to the face, like blown mm-hmm. in half. Um, and there's a bell on the toe because I guess back in the old day they 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 put a bell on the toe to ensure that the person was actually dead. It was kind of a, a theme of a lot of Poe stories, yeah, Edgar yeah. Allan Poe stories. Yeah, and as she getting gets ready to lift up the sheet, he jingles the bell and she jumps back. Right. That that was right. actually so a good decent jump scare. Actually, yeah. <laughs> actually was. <laughs> uh, okay, so as they're getting ready to go to the movies or wherever they're gonna go, um, let's see the the sheriff. 
brings another body. So this right. is our Jane Doe yep. from earlier in the movie uh, that was buried. Um, Austin decides to go back and help his dad. Yeah, yeah. Tells so he, his girlfriend he, to come back at eleven or something like that. Yeah, Sheriff Burke, is, Burke yeah. is his name. He's he's basically says he's got to help his dad. Yeah. This is obviously important if the sheriff is coming at this time to bring this body. Yeah. So so says, so meet me at uh, eleven o'clock. I'm all yours. We'll go out to a bar. We'll go and enjoy the midnight showing, or whatever. Um, so we, we meet Jane Doe, mm-hmm. perfectly preserved naked body of a mm-hmm. woman who is a real actress. Uh, her eyes are clouded up. She looks like she's been dead a while because they bring up like if your eyes are that clouded, you must have been dead for right. know, months or something like that. She has no rigor mortis. Her wrists and ankles are completely broken. She's got a severed tongue. A fly comes out of her nose, which is actually pretty cool looking. They find a string in her mouth. So they're, right. they're baffled of why she looks, the, you know, as well preserved as she is because she has no visible scars right and, and they don't know anything until on the outside they, but there's yeah there's like yeah. seems to be a lot of trauma on the inside they can't figure out like someone who's broken their ankles and wrists like this should have some sort of uh external yeah like bruising signs. or something right. like that right um so you know they're documenting this and like you said I, I found it interesting the way they did it you know as a corner would do is like okay this is this is our discoveries you know we saw broken mm-hmm. wrists we saw broken ankles and you know just writing on this chalkboard yeah, and saying peat moss was, under the fingernails yeah peat yeah. moss and it's just like mm-hmm. well and you know we don't have peat moss around here it must be farther north right and where was this supposed to happen again i didn't quite they were in virginia that. virginia that's right so this was like I think Massachusetts, where there was yeah. where, the, where they were referring to, right? Yeah, Brian Cox's keep saying up north, and yeah, that's up like north. So, so assuming that right. was New England, right? Exactly. I knew I knew it was New England. I wasn't sure exactly what state they were supposed to be, in, uh, but that's right. It's Virginia. Um, so yeah, he keeps ma- making a lot of references to the fact that this all all of this stuff is found up north, and she must have been from up north because because he sees all this stuff there. Right. They find the peat moss under her nails, like her toenails and her fingernails. Right. Exactly. Um, they discovered that she wore a corset. That's her, right. Her, her ribs were yeah. like like bent in. Yeah. They say her waist is unnaturally thin for yeah. for her body. Uh, and during this scene, there's just a ton of shots of uh, Owen Catherine. Uh, what's it? Uh, Jane Doe. Uh, Ka- Catherine Kelly's uh, face. Yeah. You know. And lots of close-up shots of it, you know, and mm-hmm. and it, it it was uh, that was kind of striking to me. I'm like, well, we are seeing a lot of like a part of this person that could totally give away that she's not dead. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> it, I mean, she would just stay stone faced. And there were no, I mean, she gave no tells at all here. No. I mean, there there wasn't any eye movement. There wasn't any, you know, you didn't see. Her chest rise even a millimeter, you know. Yeah, no blinking. I mean, not no even, blinking. Not even, not even yeah. a twitch of her eye, not and they at were all. wide open. And it, like we said at the beginning, I mean, there was like these lingering shots of her face. There and were as they were examining her, and you didn't see any kind of movements. None. Um, so that was impressive to me. I yeah, it, it really was. It was uh, a really good one. Uh, let's see. So they find all this internal trauma, but there's no outward injuries, like we said. Um, there's a cat in the. Uh, <laughs> In the morgue. Well, I, I think, oh, I think we missed, like, like when it started getting kind of paranormally, kind of okay. ghosty. Uh, lights start flickering, and then 
uh, radio. Yeah, the radio, you hear the screaming and these weird voices, and they cut into her, and she's bleeding as if she just, like like she was still alive. And they're like, well, this never happens, but there have been times where I've, uh, I've cut into a body to examine it where it kind of gushed out, but nothing like this. Right. As if somebody was still alive. Right. So they're, they're really baffled by this, you know, and, and somewhat uh, afraid because they hear this sound on the radio. Um, one of the corpses locker lockers open in the uh, in those beds, those locker things that they keep them in the cooler or whatever. Um, so they open her up, and they see the first thing they see is that her lungs are like smoke damaged, right? Like like she had smoke inhalation, right? But if that was the case, she would look more. I guess she should have, she should have been burnt on the outside like the guy. Yeah, with all that, that as bad as her lungs looked. Yeah. Um, so this kind of cuts back and forth, and you get deeper and deeper of the weirdness of what they're discovering. Right. Oh, they also discovered that her tongue is cut out too. Um, right. There's a banging upstairs. Austin goes to check it out. Uh, this is another good scare because one of those hallway mirrors sees a uh, sees a figure yes, st- standing right, right there. That's uh-huh. um, kind of a grudge type. Yeah, it kind of was thing that. Yeah going on there yeah. yeah that that was a good good shot that was kind of uh creepy and this is where we get to the cat yeah yep we get to the cat <laughs> you know there, there there's two deaths in this movie that i don't understand why we had to have and the one is the cat but uh and we'll get to the other one but um so this cat uh, has been like running around in the um we got some cops out there yeah i guess so a, a fire Andy. or something time out here we go <laughs> Sorry, we, the, we got the window windows open. open the studios here. There you go. Uh, so go ahead. So yeah, there's this cat that runs around in the uh, ductwork and catches rats. Yes, that, that's been you know it's their pet, and uh, they see him in this ductwork when when he's uh, up uh, looking for looking at what's going on, and the cats just they pull him out of the ductwork. He's terribly injured. And uh, luckily, it looks like a robotic cat. <laughs> it doesn't look it does. that much like a real cat. So. You know, uh, it, it, it's fine. Uh, but uh, they end up uh, putting the cat down and uh, they put him in the crematorium. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, they, they stick him in the in the crematorium. And they're, they're appropriately sad about the cat death. I mean, it seems like it really affects them. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And so they put put the cat in there. Stanley. The, I, just, yes. I just remember the name. Uh, they go back to the op- autopsy room. Now they're going to the digestive system. And I guess it was the intestines that they found this flower. Right, Jimson weed. Yeah, right. so it causes... Is uh, paralysis. Paralysis. So they're figuring that you know maybe all this happened to her and you know she couldn't move or do anything or scream. Right. Um, then they find a uh, something wrapped in a. Uh, they find shroud. Like a shroud <laughs> with a tooth inside of it, and she is missing a tooth. She is missing a tooth. That, that was one of the first thing they noticed when her tongue was on. Oh yeah, she's uh, missing this tooth right here. Yeah. So they find this shroud which has these symbols on it and that exact tooth that was extracted. Exactly. And it's is that supposed to come out of her stomach or something like that? Yeah, I think I they opened up the stomach and they found it. And they, yeah. and um, and it's it's totally preserved. Yeah, one of said, them like, said, yeah, this thing should have been dissolved completely right, by the stomach. Right, because it's like linen acid. or something like that. It's like an old type of cloth that's just made of plants. So yeah. it should have totally been destroyed by the uh, acid in her stomach. And it's, it's uh, preserved. Totally preserved. It's got these uh, like Roman numerals and like, uh, again, some Circle. sort of symbol on it. Um, and... Uh, this is the point when I was like, wow, was she a witch? Mm. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people said this was an unpredictable movie, but 
I was I was kind of I, I at this point I, I figured out that maybe she was a witch. See, you were smarter than I was when I first watched this yeah. because it was I got the idea that it was something Wiccan was going on or yeah. something, you know, malevolent happened mm-hmm. to her. Yeah. Uh, but didn't pick up what the real ending was. So yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. Um, then there's a uh, like all of a sudden it starts storming. There's yeah. a flash flood warning that comes across the uh, radio mm-hmm. and um, they, you know, the, the things are going on outside. They decide maybe they should leave because they're they are in a in a basement, uh, which is probably the only kind of storm you don't want to be in a basement for is a flash flood. Yeah, so. and that's what they said. <laughs> this is going to be the worst flash flood in hundred right. years or whatever. Right. And then there's this song that kind of plays on there. Yeah. And it's kind of a cutesy, eerie song that goes, "And the devil's coming for you," and you know mm-hmm. something. It, it was really just out of place. Mm-hmm. But I was like, okay. So uh, the locker door opens in the cooler. Um, lights shatter. And, you know, the, the uh, generator comes back on. And all the corpses are missing that, that were in there. The right. doors are open. They're gone. Right. Uh, and they can't get and they, they can't get out either. They try to get out. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's a no- tree has fallen on the because it's basically like these uh, cellar doors that they go down into this thing. Well, they have the elevator that goes to the main house That's or they have a cellar door where mm-hmm. you, you have a little ladder where you can get through just mm-hmm. in case. But a, a tree has That's fallen on this. Tree. Yeah. Just because of the, the storm is so bad. They can't leave because of uh, the elevator. There's not enough power going to the elevator to be able to go or to get up there. Um, we see the corpse with the bell walking around. Well, you, you hear ding, it. Ding, hear ding. it at first. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, uh, Tommy gets snatched by something. Kind yeah, of and it's got cloud- around a little bit. You see the cloudy eyes, but yeah. it's like kind of a dark figure. Yep, exactly. He gets his butt kicked. He he really does. He gets beat up pretty bad. Um, and uh, so they decide to take her to the crematorium. Mm-hmm. They're like, let's burn this person. Well, she, they try to burn her in. The, in well, and they, and they can't get out because that that's what happens. They get trapped in the autopsy room. Right. So they're going to take her to the crematorium and, and burn her. Yeah. And uh, they can't. They can't get out. So, yes, they decide, let's just uh, let's just burn her. Um, and they put some sort of fluid on her. And uh, um, they probably have lots of flammable chemicals in there. And... Um, they light her on fire and I, I thought this was maybe not a great idea um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it seems like a bad idea to, to start a fire like that in a lab you're trapped in but a, a bunker hey. that has no air ventilation exactly. or anything and and it just seems like a really bad idea and guess what it is mm-hmm. because this uh, this massive fire starts and like there's burning the ceiling and stuff uh, the camera that they're recording the autopsy with gets uh, burned in this in this thing. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just I could have told you not to do that. It's one of those scenes in a horror movie. We're like, don't do that. And I, I thought the effect of it because it, it like she gets engulfed in flames and it goes mm-hmm. like the way it spreads on the ceiling. Right. And it just mm-hmm. kind of dis- disappears off of her. I thought that was kind of cool looking. Yeah. No, it was it was a really pretty cool fire. I think it was a CGI fire or something. Oh, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. but it was but it was cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a, I, I like this scene with the corpse coming down the hall, ringing the bell where, cause they, cause they, they knock like a hole in the, uh, it's almost like a shining, um, yeah, I think a shining, I, I, I think uh, homage. It really is. Yeah. And you see, you see this corpse coming down the hall and, uh, I think it's supposed to be the guy that, uh, that had been, was it the guy that is the guy that had been, 
Uh, no, he's later, I think. Yeah, this he is, is the guy that got burned. No, this is the one that with the uh, with the, the shock the showed up mouth and eyes that's right that, that gal coming down and and yeah. opens she opens her mouth because yes. that was the first corpse that emma saw she that's says right. no i wanted to see this one yeah um so you know uh i guess austin's looking out and he's freaking out uh they eventually get out and you know get the um uh elevator door open and then they see the guy with the bell right the mm-hmm. the guy with the blown off face you know coming towards them right so they get in there they were able to get the door closed and then get enough power to start going up and it goes up about two feet and then right. they get stuck. So they're kind of stuck in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they decide that they're going to get out of there, but then they hear the bell guy coming. Um, Tommy takes an axe. Well, there, during this time, there, there's an important scene here. I'm talking think. about the mom? Yeah. I think this is kind of important to the characters, maybe. And it, and it is really a pretty good piece of acting by uh by uh brian cox i think um in that yeah he talks about like what happened to this guy's to uh um austin's mom you know and i don't recall the conversation i remember i remember he said he made mistakes and that he wants to you know make them right or whatever it seems like like a suicide has happened to me me. And, and it's kind of a not only character development but kind of um maybe what uh you know a little bit about their relationship too and how how things had transpired i think there's more to it than it's an important scene i think Mm. um and uh and maybe i should have watched it a couple times to really get the gist of what was going on here but it's a well-acted scene by cox i think he really does a, a good job of putting some emotion into this scene yeah and um you know, I, I think it. If you really were paying a lot of attention to this movie and really dissected it, you could take a lot out of the scene and uh, apply it to the way these characters interact. Yeah, agreed. And then I also want to go back to something Austin said, or the conversation that Emma and Austin had in regards to he's leaving. Like maybe he holds a grudge against his father. He, he loves his dad and wants to help him. He's going somewhere. That's right. That's oh. right. He's he's not. He doesn't want to take on the family business. He's right. and exactly. You're you're right. Uh, he hasn't told his father that. Then that that was the first scene with the girlfriend. She's uh, she's like mad at him because he hasn't told her. His yeah, father. yeah. And she makes mention of that. Have you right. told him yet? Right? You right. know why haven't you told him? And, and right. So I think that all kind of goes together with this scene to kind of flesh those characters out a little bit. So, uh, but yeah. Then then the guy is coming down. The uh, <laughs> the, the shotgun blast guy comes down. And uh, the uh, Tommy, the father, yep. throws the axe at her. Yep. And, and it's uh, not the corpse. It, it's not. Yes. It's, it's not, Emma. It happens to be the Emma, the girlfriend of, uh, of Austin. And what a great reaction uh, yeah. Emil had on this. I mean, he just loses his mind and, you know, come on, we got to go. And he's just like, I don't know what to do. You know, he's covered in blood because this is his girlfriend. Right. And, you know, she just got axed by his dad. Right. Right. So, yeah, they, uh, you know, they know something is very bad now because uh, something is, uh, uh, you know, there's there's a problem with this this corpse they have. So they talk about that. Maybe the only way to do this is to finish the autopsy and figure this out. Right. Did they did they have they already seen what's inside of her skin Um, or was this the part? Did we miss I that? I think maybe we missed that. That's a super important scene. It really is. Yeah, because <laughs> basically what had happened was is like part of the, I guess on the internal one, uh, they had opened up her skin just above her, her uh, chest plate or her rib 
cage uh-huh. and open it up and realize that things have been tattooed underneath her skin on the other side of her skin. Right. Right. And which it, is it, it's basically the same kind of symbols that are on this shroud. Right. Right. Uh, which is which is <laughs> that was a one of the better scenes in this movie too yeah. and this that was all practical I mean they, yeah. they and again it was prosthetics and everything Obviously, like that but yeah. it looked really good it really did look great it was a great scene and shocking I mean yeah. even I was shocked by that I yeah and like, they, they looked at it like you know what is this yeah yeah. Um, yeah, the fi- the final time they go back to the autopsy room is, oh, uh, they cut they cut her skull so they can right. test the brain to see if there's anything going yeah, on with so the brain. So the door to the uh, crematorium opens with the cat in it, and there's like it fills the, the entire uh, yeah the fog or smoke. I don't know if a cat makes that much smoke when it gets uh, <laughs> cremated, but you know whatever. It was kind of eerie, and he got attacked in the smoke too. But yes, they go back and uh, they cut off the top of her head. And they realize her. Uh, they take a sample of her brain tissue, and that the brain cells are still working. They're still they're alive. They're still alive. Right. So <laughs> then they don't know what to do. Right. So then uh, they do figure out that if they fold the cloth up mm-hmm. of this shroud, they take the cloth and fold it up. It says uh, Leviticus, and then the Roman numeral is twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's a Bible verse about uh, people who consult with the dead. And uh, it's one of the Bible verses used to justify the burning of witches. Yeah. So right. um, so this is starting to add up. And uh, they find a reference to 1623 as being the year that this person was alive, too. Oh, yeah. Right. Salem witch trials. <laughs> that's right. So, so this just became a witch movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Um, after that, uh, they, it, it go, they, they figure out that um, this is, uh, you know, he, they make a point of saying that all of the people who were burned as witches in the Salem witch trial were not witches. It was a, it was a lie. But I think and I think what they try to say here is that this person was not a witch, but the ritual that people tried to do to bind her as a witch turned her into one. Isn't that kind of what? Yeah. Well, turned her into vengeful. I, maybe not necessarily like a, a witch, witch okay. but but maybe. Maybe uh, vengeful to get revenge of being, you know, um, committed guilt that she wasn't guilty of. Right. Yeah, I got the I got the feeling that they were saying that this person was innocent, but the ritual that they did gave her some sort of malevolent powers. Yeah. yeah. That uh, (laughs) that now she's now she is what they most feared. Yeah, which I thought was an interesting twist. I thought that was a cool twist because, yeah. yes, all of the women who were burned in the Salem witch trials were not witches. And they also yeah. made it a point that they were children. Yeah, right. You right, know, and exactly. it's just like innocence. You, know, you burn uh, innocence, it's going to. Exactly. And they turned on each other and all that kind of stuff because, you know, that's they were uh, kind of forced into doing. They, I think they make a pretty good, uh, you know, uh, argument about about that. They don't try to. And I think that's a mistake a lot of horror movies about witches make is that uh, they do kind of surmise that these people were witches and they never were. Right. You know, so that's kind of the lore of what it, what it was back then. Yeah. You know, the Salem witch trials. Exactly. Um, so, so I thought that was kind of cool that they, they I, it was in like for me. But here's the problem I had is that that I, I really like the idea of Tommy sacrificing himself for his son mm-hmm. and making things right because of that conversation right. that they had in the elevator. Yeah. So just explain that. So, so they, they realize they're in kind of deep now. Yeah. And, that, and that that, what they're, they know what they're dealing with. Yeah. And, and Tommy realizes that what she's there for is, is to take revenge. Right. They, they don't know what they're dealing with, but they know that they're in danger and there's no other way out right. of this. So mm-hmm. Tommy decides to sacrifice himself. Like he gets in Jane Doe's face 
and says, you know, take me. I want to feel your pain. I want to take on everything that you had. And you see his wrist break and mm-hmm. then you see his uh, ankles break mm-hmm. and then you see smoke coming out of his mouth. So, you know, he's he sacrificed himself for his son. So, you know, revenge her. She could get her vengeance on right. him. Right. Um. So to me, that was OK. I mean, it was like. Yeah, I was it was a good device. I mean, yeah, it's it was fine. Yeah. I didn't have a problem. With um, so Tommy, I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't like my do- jaw didn't drop or anything like that. I thought it was it was a good device for a film. Yeah, it's fine. Um, Tommy tries to get out. Um, he hears the sheriff's voice and, um, you know, he's trying to get out the, the cellar doors, but it's still being blocked off saying, I can't get out. I can't get out. Here's another. Here's the bell. And he looks down the banister, um, and then behind him is his ghost dad, and like pushes him. Or no, I, yeah, I think he I just, think he fell. just fell. Yeah, he, get, I he think was he so tripped because he was frightened. Right? Yeah, he fell and then bumped his head. He died, right. and then it's exactly how it's set up at the beginning is that you know you have the, all these police and ambulances here to investigate what's going on. You know, the sheriff is like get. Jane Doe out of here. She's perfectly preserved again. Mm-hmm. Nothing's wrong with her anymore. Yep. She's not cut open. Her head's not cut open as if she had an autopsy on her. Right. Um, there was a point, and I forgot when uh, Brian Cox is like, say, you know, hey, you know, give that to me, where her eyes turn back to her brown, the, they did, the brown yeah. color for a little bit. They did for a little bit, yeah. Um, so they're like, the sheriff goes, get, get this Jane Doe out of my town. I don't want her here anymore because he's realizing, like, you know, this is trouble. This is the second time this has happened. Right. So um, they have her in the uh, in the hearse thing. And she's I, w- I don't understand why they wouldn't cover her up. But you see her face and then she's got the bell on her toe and then it jingles. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> there you go. So, so, starts over. so when you ask, you know, what was the point of that? That's exactly what happened in the house. Okay, is that yeah. with, with no explanation. Yeah. Right. That's exactly what happened in the house of, you know, these violent deaths happened. You know, maybe these people turned on each other or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, almost like a murder-suicide. Because you saw bullet holes throughout the house. Yes. So as if they turned on each other, they were trying to get out. So there you go. Right. All right. Did we miss anything? (laughs) No, I think that's the entirety of the movie. Yes, it was. Uh So uh, the autopsy of Jane Doe from 2016, how are you feeling about it? Well, so I liked the autopsy. Don't get me wrong. This is a good movie. I enjoyed it. Um, I would have enjoyed it more as like a 60, 45 minute, 60 minute uh, X-Files episode, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I thought it was uh, more suited to that. There was just a lot of extended scenes of like discovery in this autopsy and stuff that just kind of went on and on and on. And yeah, I, I get it. We were, it's kind of a mystery. We're piecing all the clues together and stuff. But uh, the way it was, uh, it was just like. Every time they dove into this body, they pulled out another clue. You know, it was it was uh, it got a little bit monotonous for me there. Um, Then uh, I didn't understand why some of these deaths said to happen, like the girlfriend. I mean, why? And the cat. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) What's the point of that? Did they really need to? I don't know. Um, I thought the you know, the the story was fairly clever with the witch and and the witch aspect of it and all right. that and i did like the way they sewed that together and 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 uh you know put together the whole uh thing about how how 
how she became this way. Yeah, I thought that was kind of uh, that was pretty cool and clever and, and kind of neat. And I like the uh, I like the way the shroud folded together to make that. <laughs> that was pretty neat. Yep. Um, so there's some neat things going on here, but it just it was a little bit long. It's only an hour and a half movie. It's like an hour and twenty six minutes. I want to say. Yeah. And it seemed a little long to me just because I thought it would be, I don't know, there was a show called Friday the 13th, uh, the I series. that back in the day, kind yeah, of like the Tales from the Crypt. And yeah, stuff. yeah, and it seemed like an episode of that maybe, or like the X-Files, and it, I think it would have worked better as like a, a shorter uh, TV type show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's my thought on it. Score. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it two and a half. Two I, and I half. think, uh, you know, the actress who portrayed Jane Doe, just phenomenal. I mean, you got to see this. It's 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 awesome. She really stands out. It's definitely worth watching. It's like a two and a half to three for me, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with two and a half, two and a half. because it was a little boring. Yeah. Um, I I only disagree with you to the point of um, I really enjoyed the the discoveries that they made throughout. So you did piece it together. I like that. Um, I didn't like the magical element of it. Okay. The way it was like so, you know, you can make a corpse rise like a zombie. Mm-hmm. You know, was it to your imagination? Was it to their imagination? Or was it really happening? You know, the fact that you hear this this corpse that had a bell on its toe walking through the hallway and he gets out of the elevator and throws the axe and it's actually the girlfriend. Yeah. You know, for me, how did that the girl drive to me? Too. How did that's the girlfriend get down there? Well, yeah, that's and I didn't understand that either. I how did get she how get she, down there? That's a really there's good question. A, there's an elevator. And then there's a which the, is broken. Yeah, and, <laughs> and they're in the elevator. Yeah, I it, I didn't. That's why I thought her death was really unnecessary, and I was it was kind of a groaner for me. I was like, oh boy, whatever. Yeah, I I mean I think the only point of that was shock value, just like yeah. you know add a little more emotion to it, I and it's know. just like. You know, I wasn't so particularly parent. moved by it. Though. I, I was. I mean, either. we I mean, see I, this girl like for three minutes in the beginning. Yeah, you know? I thought Austin's like, reaction to it was the best part of I, it. Yeah, you know, I agree. Just I think because that, he just lost you know, his did a good job of reacting to. Yeah, if my girlfriend died. That's what I'd feel like too. But uh, you know, I mean, it, it just wasn't. We didn't have any emotional connection to her really at that point, so no. it wasn't impactful at all. It was like. That's a bummer. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, if she played a more integral part of the story, right. I mean, and she basically got to know her that, you know, she's been with, with Austin for a long time. And then, right. you know, hey, tell your dad, you know, what you're doing or where you're going. I mean, the cat was, uh, I felt a lot closer to the cat. <laughs> I, I mean, we'd it. seen the cat, I think, more. And like, they had kind of developed the cat's character a little down earlier. He did, you know, he was obviously a useful cat. Very useful. <laughs> so. um, I, I didn't like, I didn't. Like the creative choices for um, Brian Cox's character of sacrificing himself, you know, I thought it was just kind of a throwaway because there was nothing to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fine. It was a good way to tie it up and, and you know, go to that next year. I thought this movie could have ended three times. Yeah. And it just kept going. You know, it was like, oh, no, Brian Cox sacri- sacrificed himself and so everything's good. No, no, he's trying to get out because he's hearing these voices. He thinks this is a cop, but it's still raining and that thing's still blocked off. No, no, uh, he dies. No, no. We, our, our true ending is uh, no, Jane Doe is actually alive. Right. Or Jane Doe is going to go through this cycle again. So, I mean, it was like, okay, whatever. Uh, but that being said, I still like this movie. I, I do too. I, I really do. I'm giving it a three. Give it a three. That's totally fair. I, I'm right on the uh, on the edge of that. But. So, classic, good, bad. What we say, Andy? What say you? I think it's good. 
I agree. It's not a classic. It's good. I highly recommend watching it on Netflix. It's free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, if you got a night out, if you got an hour and 26 minutes to kill, pardon the pun, uh, go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Uh, next week, we're going to pay tribute to the late, great Stuart Gordon. We talked about our, our top directors of all time. I think we missed this guy. You know, only because he's done so much for the horror genre, you know, and H.P. Lovecraft that I just, you know, I, I think we need a dedicated show to him, um, Reanimator. So we're going to do that next week. We'll uh, start off June with another Shutter exclusive, Satanic Panic. We both lived through that. We did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, have a great Memorial Day weekend, and we'll talk to you next week.